We've been reading uh, the book of Psalms together, uh, talking about different, uh, different types of Psalms. Uh, we started with a Psalm of Praise and then a Psalm of Lament. And last week we uh, read probably one of the most famous Psalms, Psalm 23, which was a Psalm of Trust. And this morning we're, uh, and it's so appropriate that, that, uh, that we're doing this this morning, we're reading um, a uh, congregational psalm. Uh, these are psalms that are meant uh, not for individuals, but for uh, the whole congregation to do together. Um, a psalm of unity. And so uh, uh, we'll read Psalm 133. Hear now the word of our Lord. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. There's a, a story about an um, Air Force pilot uh, who's flying over the South Pacific. Uh, he's flying over this island, and he notices below some smoke signals and realizes uh, that there's someone stranded on that island, and so he lands on the island. And uh, when he gets there, um, there's a guy just in tattered clothes, long beard. It's clear that he's been on that island for a long time. And so, uh, so um, the guy's just so excited to see him show up, and, uh, and he says, get me off this island right away, um, but, uh, but first I need, to, I need to go get my things. And, uh, and the pilot says, take your time, I'll help you. And so they go back uh, to get the man's things. And uh, they go uh, into the middle of the island where he's got his camp set up, and the pilot notices there are three huts. And so, uh, so the man uh, runs into one of the three huts and uh, just sort of starts getting uh, his belongings together. And he comes out with the belongings. And the pilot asks the man, um, I can't help but notice you've got three huts here. Um, what are the three huts for? And he says, well, uh, the hut I just came from um, that, that's my home. That's where I've been living uh, these years while I've been on this island. I made myself a, a, a hammock in there, and, uh, and, and I've just got all my close personal possessions. And, uh, and he says, okay, well, what, what's the second hut over there? And, and the man says, oh, well, come see. And so they go into the second hut, and he sees like a, a crudely made cross out of bamboo, um, a, uh, a, a Bible, uh, there, and he, he realizes instantly this is his place of worship. He says, oh, this, this, this is your church. 
this hut here. Yes, I, uh, I, you know, I'm a religious man. Um, ever since I've been on this island, I've uh, just, just been counting on a tree. I've been tally marking the days, and every seventh day uh, I come here and I, uh, I worship here at, at my church. And, uh, and so the Navy pilot uh, uh, looks at the man and he says, well, how about that third hut? What's that third hut? And then the man gets really quiet. And he says, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> there's, uh, there's some truth to that, right? <laughs> that uh, you can have a one-man schism, right? Um, there, there's some truth to this idea that maybe Christians kind of have a reputation for being a little bit divisive. Um, according to the World uh, Christian Encyclopedia, um, uh, the, the Protestant uh, branch of Christianity has uh, 33,000 denominations. 33,000 denominations around the world. Now, I don't know what methodology they used to come up with that, but that seems like a lot, Right? 33,000 denomination. Those are 33,000 instances in which someone said, bye guys, I'm going another way. Right? 33,000 forks in the road. We Christians sometimes fall short of this call for unity. When the psalm says, how good, how pleasant it is when my people live together in unity. We kind of have this reputation for being a divided people. Our own, uh, our own denomination, the United Methodist Church, um, over some, uh, some deep, important theological issues, it is facing one of these forks in the road. And uh, in this February, they're all going to get together at a general conference and they're going to decide whether we stay united or not. We see we have trouble. We have trouble staying together sometimes as Christians. But how good, how pleasant it is when my people live together in unity. We live, let's be honest, in very divided times as a country and as a world. I mean, you don't have to take my word for it. Just get on Facebook, get on the Internet, get, get in the YouTube comments section. The YouTube comments section is a dark, dark place, right? Um, we, we're a very divided people. We're, we're, we're divided along um, uh, rural versus urban lines, uh, along liberal versus, versus conservative lines, along racial lines. Uh, we're, just, we're just becoming more and more polarized. Um, uh, uh, historians say that uh, the, the, the uh, we're polarized to the point that, that we resemble 
um, the way this nation looked before the Civil War, polarized by region. We're having trouble getting along. And our allegiances are very, very tribal, aren't they? Very tribal. It's about my clan and my group and what we believe and what we think. And, and we have our own, I mean, you don't need me to tell you this. Uh, everyone's got their own media, their own news sources, their own universe, right, uh, of ideas and information. And we so seldom go outside of it. And yet, how good, how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's hard, isn't it? We live in very divided time in those divisions. Those divisions that, that, that have, have pulled us apart as, as, as fellow citizens threaten to pull our churches apart. As divided as these times are, um, they are nowhere near as divided as Bible times. In fact, I'll bet y'all didn't know this about me, but I'm kind of an amateur cartographer, and uh, so I've made a uh, I've made a map to uh, to show you all. All right, um, and uh, I just wanted to show you kind of just a uh, a map of uh, of Israel in Bible times. Now, Israel has always been made up of of twelve tribes. 12 um, uh, different family clans um, that have uh, different territories and slightly different value system. But what always held those 12 tribes together, what made them one people, is a belief in one God. Even, uh, even before they had kings in the period of the judges, what, what, what sort of set them apart was their belief in their one God and, and, uh, and their shared experience of being slaves in Egypt. Well, they get a king named David, and uh, David somehow manages to do the impossible. Uh, in his lifetime, he unites all 12 tribes, and they become one nation. And they remain one nation under, uh, under uh, his son Solomon. Um, but after Solomon dies... They split up again, and they split up into two nations, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And these two nations, even though they worship the same God, they have very, very, very different value systems. Um, uh, you can read some of the passages in the Bible, and Bible scholars can tell us whether uh, they were written in the north or whether they were written in the south, uh, just based on their language and the way they talk about God, because they talk about God very differently. They have very different ideas of what he's like. They had very different political ideas, right? Who should be in charge? Uh, they split up over an issue of taxes. Uh, basically, the people in the north didn't feel like they should be paying taxes to make a temple in the south. 
And so they split up into two nations and they say, we'll make our own temples. And uh, so they make a temple, uh, one in, um, in a place called Bethel and one in a place called Dan. And, and they make their temples there and worship God there. And um, uh, the Judeans think that is so terrible that God is only supposed to be worshipped at their temple. And so they say the Israelites are just a bunch of heretics because they worship God in the wrong place. This goes on and on for hundreds of years. No one manages to unite these countries again. And, uh, and then um, after, uh, after the Babylonian exile, when the Judeans come back to their land, um, they're horrified to find the people in the north have intermarried. Um, and instead of uh, remaining this pure Jewish line, they've intermarried with their neighbors. And the people in the north um, become, because they live in a region called Samaria, they become known as the Samaritans. And the Judeans say, you're not even supposed to eat meals with those Samaritans. They're so terrible. Even though they worship the same God. Those divisions you know, it started out as an issue over taxes and it just over hundreds of years pulled them further and further and further apart until they couldn't even sit at the same table together. Remember in Jesus' lifetime, Jesus, by the way, is a good Judean, right? Jesus in his lifetime told this parable about a Samaritan that helps someone on the side of the road. One of these guys up here, right? That worshiped the same God as them. And everyone just found that parable so offensive, right? The idea that one of those northerners, right? That they would, uh, they would help a, a brother out in need, right? Can you see a starting out with this little seed of difference and over hundreds of years it just became so divided and so polarized, But our psalm this morning says it is good, it is pleasant when God's people live together in unity. It says it's like anointing oil. It's like oil running down Aaron's head and down his beard. Now, if you're like me and you think of the olive oil you have in your kitchen... Sounds kind of nasty, right? Uh, olive oil, like, running down the hair and down the beard. That's not, not, uh, not something we normally think of as a good thing. But olive oil in ancient times had several uses. Um, you know, the finest olive oil was used in anointing ceremonies. And uh, it was mixed with spices. And, uh, and the reason people like to put olive oil in their hair and their beard is because it was so refreshing. And see, you, you lived in the desert, and, uh, and it, when it went outdoors, as that oil began to evaporate in the desert heat, it would refresh you, and it would leave behind this scent that was pleasing, right? It's like, um, it's, it's like, like good shampoo, right? 
you think of, of good shampoo that refreshes you. When I was a kid, um, there were these herbal essence commercials where people were just, oh, this is the best shampoo. Like, I probably shouldn't have been allowed to watch it. But, um, but uh, that, that's the image here. It's so refreshing, like this oil being poured down the hair, right? Um, people believed oil, uh, they used it for medicinal purposes, right? Like on wounds uh, to make people feel better. This oil is healing, right? This is the image here. When people get along, it heals wounds. It's so, so refreshing. And then he says, it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Now, here's the thing. Bible scholars have trouble with that phrase, the dew of Hermon falling on Mount Zion, right? Let me explain that. Mount Hermon is up here, right? Mount Zion is down here, okay? And so I've been reading these commentaries this week, and they're all like, well, that must be a mistake. That must be an error, right? That, you know, how could the dew of Mount Hermon possibly be falling on Mount Zion? There must be some kind of spelling mistake or, or, or something going on there. I don't think so, right? What if, what if the idea is that, is that when, when uh, brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, it's as if this refreshing dew is running from the top of Mount Zion, from the top of Mount Hermon all the way down to Mount Zion. Look, it's like God is anointing the whole land. What if it's like God is healing the whole land? What if it's like God is blessing the whole land with his presence? We've got this big gaping wound between these two countries. What if we can heal it by dwelling in unity together? So, so, so refreshing, right? It makes you a new person when you dwell in unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the idea. It's so, so refreshing. See, outside of these four walls, we're this divided country. No one can get along about anything. I, I remember... Um, uh, when I was a children's minister, I, I was gigging on YouTube um, to, uh, to, to get a, uh, a clip from VeggieTales, right? Like this VeggieTale, um, oh, where is my hairbrush clip that I was going to show um, in children's church. And I just, and you should never do this. Like, this is the wrong thing to do. But I, I just started reading some of the comments below this VeggieTale clip. It's an animated cucumber and tomato, okay? All right? And the comments were just so vicious, right? There was like this 
full-on Christian versus atheist debate going on down there, right? And like the atheists, like it's all a fairy tale, and this is like like the the reason for all the problems in the world, right? And then um, and then there's like uh, the 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 compassionate Christian response: "You're going to hell," right? <laughs> and uh, and just went on and on and on and on like this, right? Under Veggie Tales, under an animated tomato singing about a hairbrush, right? People can't unite. Right? It's just an ugly place out there. But in here, it's called to be different. It's called to be refreshing. What if people came in here and it's just like, like they feel icky and grimy from being out there where it's so, where it's so terrible and everyone, no one can get along. But in here, it's like that refreshing shower. It's like being baptized all over again every time you come to church. Oh, finally. So refreshing to be among a group of people that get along. That accept me even though I think differently than them. That, that because we're held together by that common connector. By that Holy Spirit. How refreshing it is. I had this interesting experience a couple years ago. Um, so many of you know because they came and uh, they came and played for us during the revival over at Central. We've got this youth praise band called called Crossfire, and occasionally they get asked to play at different places, and uh, and those are always good experiences. Well, uh, we got an invitation for the youth praise band uh, to come uh, to uh, one of our Methodist churches, um, uh, New Mount Olive United Methodist Church, um, which is an African-American congregation. And they got the invitation uh, to perform uh, uh, as part of their Black History celebration. And there was a part of me that was like, we're a bunch of white guys, right? <laughs> Have you heard about us? But maybe you're confused. You know, um, there's part of me that thought maybe we're not the best fit for a black history celebration, right? But the more I thought about it, it's like, well, we're being invited. Maybe we should show up, you know? And, and so I called them back and said, said, you know, yeah, we'll do it. And, but... If I'm just honest, just between friends right here, right now, I was nervous about the whole thing. I was nervous about, are my kids going to, to cut up and giggle at inappropriate times because the worship service is going to be very different? I, I was nervous about, like, are we going to get stared at because we, we stick out like a sore thumb? Like, you know, I, I just had all of this kind of, kind of anxiety about the whole thing, but I, I, felt like, I felt like it's what we should do. So we went, and of course, you know, the kids were like, they were treated like royalty, and everyone was pinching their cheeks, and that, you know, that was so wonderful. And, but I was, I was looking around, and I just realized, like, this is a Methodist church, but this is so different, right? Like, we're not singing the same songs 
the majority of us probably don't vote the same way the majority of them vote, right? Um, we, we've got uh, we've got some very uh, very different opinions about uh, some some important national issues, right? And I just kind of you know it feels like a Methodist church, but it feels really different, right? Like, are these guys even? I mean, are we is still in a Methodist church? Until I went downstairs. See, afterwards, they had planned a potluck. And so there were 40 people there. And so, like all good Methodists, they, they cooked for 400, right? <laughs> and like, like the spread, deviled eggs, and, you know, uh, every carbohydrate you could think of, and, uh, and, 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 and chicken. And, and I was just like, yeah. These are Methodists. This is my tribe. These are my people, right? <laughs> I'm where I belong, right? There's something about food, I guess, that, that brings us together and reminds us that we have more in common, right? At the end of the day, we all want a piece of fried chicken, right? We all uh, want a, 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 a scoop of that cheesy potatoey stuff. You know, when you think about it, the kingdom of God was an awful lot like a potluck, isn't it? Like a church potluck. We each bring something different. We each bring our own specialty, that thing that that, that we're good at, that we're known for. Some people, let's be honest, bring the fruitcake, right? But we each... We each bring something. Some people are salty, right? Um, but everyone brings their thing to the church potluck. And somehow your thing that, that by itself wasn't a meal, when you bring it to the potluck, it becomes a feast. It becomes a feast. And everyone, though they're different, though they have their, their different things going on, are one people around that potluck table and it's so 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 refreshing it's so refreshing isn't it i don't know whether this denomination is going to split up in february i hope not i hope not I really feel like 33,000 forks in the road is enough. I do. But we've got some deep divisions and things to overcome, and it's going to take prayer, and it's going to take us all coming around the same table. I don't know what's going to happen, but I will say this. It is so, so, so refreshing when brothers and sisters live together in unity. It is like oil evaporating from the hair, evaporating from the beard, leaving a fresh scent behind. It is like dew from one mountain in the north running all the way down to that mountain in the south, healing everything in between. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.